Hey, this is JJ Arcega Whiteside of the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We fly all game. All game. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast, where of course every yard counts, even in week 17, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, obviously week 17 is now in the books. The seedings are set. The playoff paths are now conver- confirmed. The road to Miami starts here. On today's podcast, we'll be going through and recapping all the games from week 17, give you some stats, give you some head coaching updates. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, I am refreshing my Twitter feed and NFL.com every 30 seconds in the hopes that our friend Jason Garrett has indeed been fired so we'll keep you up to speed with all that uh, two co-hosts on the podcast today of course know all about that their, their teams have already been put out of the misery i suppose uh, sean the kitchen uh, is being refurbished i suppose yeah it didn't really even wait for black money to get going we took an early step on sunday nights um you know I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of hiring and firing all the time but i've said for the last few weeks it seemed inevitable and ultimately here we are again yet another head coaching search let's uh, hope they eventually get one right <laughs> and uh, Lawrence, uh, you, uh, there's, there's been a clearing house in uh, in Washington. Oh, it's such a such a relief. It's taken five days, but I, like like when I was a small child, and I, I used to celebrate Christmas in Holland and Christmas in England. I get two Christmases this year, one on the 25th and one today, as the Redskins finally finally got rid of general manager Bruce Allen. Mm. So. Big party here. Big party, just in time for New Year's. But yeah, more on that later. Obviously, want to take this opportunity to say, I hope all you listeners out there and you boys had a lovely Christmas. And uh, obviously, wish everyone a happy New Year as well. For those that celebrate it, we have lots of things planned in the New Year here at Fulton Yard. So please don't go and tell all your friends to to get on board before we become fashionable. Dare I say it? Uh, because we have zero days off here at the Fulton Yards. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough chit chattering. Let's get into it with first down. Okay, like I say, uh, we'll start off on first down with all the games that actually mattered. Well, quite a number, I suppose, to be fair. Um, But let's start off with Philadelphia versus the New York Giants. Philadelphia finishing strongly in this one. Big turning point, obviously, was the botched snap and fumble by um, someone that's very familiar with that this season, shall we say. Daniel Jones um, picking up, picked up by Fletcher Cox on the two-yard line, and then that pretty much sealed the deal for Philadelphia. (laughs) I suppose as a Dallas fan, it's just the hope that kills you, doesn't it? Philly struggled mightily in this one uh, in the early goings. Poor weather, not great, uh, just devoid of any talent on the uh, Philadelphia offense. But Carson Wentz dragging his team through like all good quarterbacks do. Only QB to throw for 4,000 yards uh, with no wide receiver with more than 500 yards. Sums it up pretty nicely for Philadelphia at the moment. On the New York Giants side, nice touchdown from Saquon Barkley with a cheeky celebration as well during the run. Certainly uh, worth to go back and watch that one. Philadelphia, though, of course, backdoor the division. NFC East seemingly having a clear out, let's say, which we'll get on to a bit later on. But the Philadelphia Eagles sitting there happy, smug, uh, as they certainly can be enjoying every minute of their New Year celebrations. That, of course, meant the Dallas, Dallas versus Washington game was very much a dead rubber. But 
Yeah, Michael Gallup, obviously a huge game with him, three touchdowns and some lovely catches as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's certainly been the, the Dallas Cowboys wide receiver one over the past month, which really, from you know, not just from a Cowboys perspective, but puts a really interesting slant on what they might do with Mario Cooper. He's obviously out, out of contract uh, towards the end of, well, after the season's up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they bring him back, if they sign him or they franchise tag him. Obviously, you've got Dak there as well. Uh, on the ground, is he? Ezekiel Elliott added another couple of touchdowns, and here's a stat for you. Zeke, uh, Ezekiel Elliott already has a, is 11th in terms of regular season uh, touches in, in NFL history, so that just shows you how many touches and how much he's been relied on since he's been a Cowboy. But then I suppose it does help if you don't have any postseason ones, but there we go. Um, it will be an interesting offseason for the Cowboys. I've just re- re- refreshed my Twitter feed. No, uh, no firing as of yet. But similarly for the Redskins, obviously the, the um, Ron Rivera, not quite sure he's um, he's actually been confirmed yet. Uh, Lawrence, probably you can you can feel me on that one. But like I say, Bruce Allen um, has been removed, and probably a, f- a few others following him out the door as well. But we we'll get back to that a bit later on. Uh, Lawrence, has, has Romavera been confirmed yet, or is it just uh, still whispers at this stage? Loud, loud, loud whispers, but nothing, nothing, hundred percent yet. All right, we uh, we shall see. We'll uh, divulge on that a bit more in uh, third down. So, Sean, take us through on the AFC side: Tennessee versus Houston. Obviously, Houston didn't really have too much to to play on, uh, considering Kansas City's result. But Tennessee uh, got the job done, and Derek Henry taking the rushing title. Yeah, absolutely. We we talked about it on the podcast last week about the decision to sit Derrick Henry last week when he was questionable. And that certainly paid dividends for the Titans this week. 32 attempts from Henry. And as you say, a big enough day on the ground to actually end the league with the rushing title. 211 yards on the ground in this one and three touchdowns. And as seems to be usual with Derrick Henry, one of those from away, away, 53-yard scamper. He's always got just enough speed to get there and looks absolutely knackered by the time he does cross the goal line, doesn't he? But, um, you know, yet again, another huge day for him. Um, Ryan Tannehill, quite efficient, not spectacular, um, but efficient certainly. Another huge quarterback rating of 130, 13 of 20 for 198 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And yet another good day here in this one for AJ Brown, who really has come on massively, in my opinion, over the course of the season. And certainly over the last few weeks, he seems to make highlight real plays. And I think um, I think you described it, Tim, as he's everything that they hoped Corey Davis would be a couple of years ago when they drafted him. Um, another 51-yard touchdown in this one. And as you say, really not a lot for the Texans to play for with earlier results in particular sort of confirming that. So a lot of backups sort of seeing the field here. Makes a lot of sense. They're obviously going to gear up for the postseason. AJ McCarron got the start at quarterback. Um, you know, so he obviously had plenty of rust going in. 21 of 36 for 225 yards. In terms of the rushing attack, led by Taiwan Jones, um, who is somebody that you know has basically not carried the ball all year. And obviously, no Hopkins, no Will Fuller, no Kenny Stills. Um, so the Titans really got dealt a very nice hand here and obviously took full advantage. As it turned out, it wouldn't have made any difference anyway as the two other teams that were in contention, um, both unfortunately for them, lost their respective games. The Steelers lost in horrendous weather conditions, it's got to be said. An absolute monsoon falling in Baltimore. Um, but a low-scoring affair yet again from a Steelers offence that has struggled to produce all year and ultimately we've speculated that down the stretch it just wouldn't produce enough points 
Only 10 on the board in this one. Mm-hmm. Duck Hodges, 9 of 25, just 95 yards. And for the Ravens, starting RG3 for the first time in three years. Um, you know, the, the ground game still continued to absolutely dominate. Gus Edwards showed and reminded people what he did at the back end of last season, obviously with Mark Ingram taking an extended rest ahead of the postseason. He rushed 21 times for 130 yards. And quite a funny play to ice the game away here with a, a complete botch of a punt. The uh, Jordan Berry drops the ball, picks it up, drops the ball again, um, and ultimately the Ravens dive on it and, you know, effectively on the goal line uh, for the Ravens to ice the game away. I was quite, I was, that sorry, Sean, sure, I was quite surprised actually um, that Duck Hodges didn't uh, didn't perform better in this game because uh, of that, all, all that water, all that monsoon, you'd think uh, he'd take it like a duck to water, wouldn't you? Oh. Hey, he's back, hey, he's back. He's back. God, fingers crossed, Lawrence, that internet packs up again in 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crackling a little bit, isn't it? You know? <laughs> um, let's get back to some serious conversation. The other team that were technically involved on the last day, the Oakland Raiders, they obviously needed results to go their way. Um, and even, you know, even if they'd have won the game and the others would have happened, um, obviously the Colts losing as well would have effectively eliminated them anyway. Um, Derek Carr throws for another ton of yards, 391. But it's a game really that you know has probably been symptomatic of the Raiders all year long. They've moved the ball at will, but not scored enough points. Um, fair play to John Gruden at the end of this one. They did have a chance to send it into overtime, but he went for a two-point try to win it. And the Broncos held firm. Um, the Broncos actually finished sneakily with a decent seven and nine record after being. Um, you know, whipping boys at the start of the year. Um, they've obviously got some good experience into Drew Lock at the back end of the season. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes in year two. But um, three teams that had a chance coming in, but as similar to what you just said, really, about the Philadelphia game, the, the obvious one with the Tennessee result made uh, made it a little bit anticlimactic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just a, a note on Drew Locke, I think he's uh, certainly impressed in his, what is he, 4-1 as a start as a, as a Denver Bronco, and I think um, I read a stat somewhere that the Denver Broncos are one of the youngest teams in the NFL as well, so if Drew Locke uh, is indeed the answer at quarterback, um, yeah, not, uh, not, not too many reasons not to be optimistic over there in Denver. But talking of holding firm, Lawrence come over to you San Francisco held firm uh, as they went to Seattle did you enjoy your sandwich by the way absolutely loved it it was uh, a gorgeous falafel with some some nice pickled chilli peppers and some coleslaw a nice wrap so yeah thank you very much for that team yeah. really enjoyed it I, so, look, I look forward well, to being more t- wrong about them in the playoffs and every time now I look at Jimmy Garoppolo I just think of sandwiches kind of his face disappears into a sandwich so you know all good all good so yeah this was a this was an absolutely fantastic way to end the season both teams already safe in the knowledge they qualified for the postseason coming into week 17 so it was a bit of a Chelsea flower show to see who would end up with the best seed way along with the NFC West crown so, with a home loss to the Seahawks earlier in the season, massive pressure was on the 49ers to gain revenge. I know, Tim, you like a bit of revenge, don't you? As Love we it. go through a season. Love it. Um, and, obviously, they, they wanted to get the number one seed, and that is precisely what they did. Thanks to what I think, and, and correct me if you, if you want to, both of you guys, but I think the tackle of the season which was um, Dre Greenlaw's tackle on the one-inch line that prevented um, tight end Jacob Hollister from making that 
extra kind of body stretch, his kind of torso. He, he knew he was he knew he was he was hit before he got to the end zone, but then he kind of contorted his torso to try and get get him his body and the ball over the line, and it just didn't happen. Mm. So, kind of reminded me of that that infamous Mike Jones tackle on Kevin Dyson, um, the one that stopped the the tying touchdown in Super Bowl Thirty Nine. And it, is, it was a you know hugely hugely significant tackle when you look at them, the seedings, the home field advantage, um, and kind of everything that goes with it. Mm. And we also had the return of Beast Mode, return of Marshall Lynch, who made his first appearance for the Seahawks since a divisional loss in the playoffs to the Panthers back in January 2016. Mm. And Lynch did score in the fourth quarter to cut the 49ers lead to five, but he didn't get the opportunity to be the late hero. I think the um, the entire city of Seattle would have would have just exploded had he had he scored a, that touchdown in the last minute himself. Mm. But huge, huge delay of game penalty moved the ball back from the one to just outside the five in the final minute and. That meant Russell Wilson had to go into passing mode. He spiked the ball on first down to, to get a little bit of extra time because they're out of timeouts. Two incompletions later, and then that pass went inches short of the end zone. I think Lynch did, he had a few good first down runs, but he, he didn't look anywhere as dynamic as rookie running back Travis Homer from the U, who had 92 all purpose yards. And it's a funny little thing. I don't know if don't know if you noticed that Travis Homer wore the number twenty five shirt. Mm. And who's who's the the famous Seahawk that wore the twenty five shirt? That would be one, Mister Richard Sherman. Absolutely. So bit weird, but slightly disrespectful, I think, on a, on the Seahawks side to dish out his shirt to a kind of to a rookie. I think he's a fifth round fifth round rookie. So bit of a weird one, but but hey ho, he didn't, you know. He, was, he ended up on the losing side, um, did, did Homer. Um, we've, got, we've got a situation um, in terms of rushing for Raheem Mostert, who had a, another good game, two touchdowns, average 5.7 a carry. He's really taken over that lead back role. And if you looked at um, Tevin Coleman's stats and Matt Breeder's stats, they, they weren't even worth me making a note of. So this is, this is Mostert's sort of team to be to be running with Garoppolo was again accurate hitting 18 of 22 for 285 yards no picks no touchdowns Russell Wilson himself found his two top targets for scores and and I think he did an incredible job sort of navigating through multiple collapsed pockets it seemed that every play that he, he was doing he was kind of he was back 10 yards and he managed to sort of wangle his way through a, a, a mess of offensive and defensive linemen before managing to, to throw a pass. So credit to Wilson. I think it was, if it was anybody else, he would have been sacked about 10 times. Mm. So this really, really is a, a, an absolute game of inches. And, and, you know, it's proved it here that, you know, one, one inch away, you're going to, you're moving into a, um, a completely different seeding. One inch too short, bang your opponents there they've got a number one seed and it's all completely different and you're traveling now to philadelphia for a wild card game yep 
Yeah, absolutely. Indeed, another team that's going to be travelling. They haven't been doing much travelling in January. Uh, certainly in the 2010s, only the Cleveland Browns in the AFC can say the same. I'm sorry, Sean. But the New England Patriots go down at home to Miami. Mike Kosicki with a five-yard touchdown catch. Under a minute left with a dagger straight through the Foxborough Faithful's hearts. Uh, absolute laser from Fitzmagic. Has, uh, Brian Flores sticking it to his old pal, Bill Belichick. What a game Fitz had as well. I mean, this guy is just the epitome of just wanting to play and just wanting to win. Uh, had a, a rushing touch down as well but he led a 13 play 70 yard uh, 75 yard drive um, to give them the victory this New England team I mean I know we've said it before and I know every podcast you listen to and everyone you everyone that's not a Patriots fan you can you can actually see the wheels starting to come off from this team this defense uh, we've said it, we mentioned it on the podcast last couple of weeks isn't the defense it was at the start of the year and Tom Brady and that offense uh, has been pretty poor all year so um, Eric Rowe former Patriot with a pick six of Tom Brady uh, as they, the Dolphins raced out to a 10 at nothing lead, they did. Uh, Patriots did pull it back at half time, um, and then Brady finds a linebacker uh, for his 540th touchdown pass, who also passes Peyton Manning. Obviously, Drew Brees uh, did that a couple of weeks ago as well, but also extends his current record for the number of different players to receive a touchdown from him. That was his number 77th. Um, he's now seven clear of Vinny Testaverde. Patriots, like I say, will now play a wild card game. Something that say they're not particularly well versed in, so it'll be interesting. And I was actually shocked to see the Tennessee Titans only around two to one uh, in the betting to go into Foxborough and win as well. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, interesting, interesting game all the same. But um, obviously, with the Patriots losing, Sean, uh, Kansas City took full advantage. Yeah, they did, and it's a typical Chargers game, if I'm being honest here. You know, you look at the stats at the end of it, the Chargers ran, you know, near enough 25 more offensive plays, held the ball for 13 more minutes. Rivers has over 100 more yards through the air than what Patrick Mahomes does, but it's the efficiency of getting the job done with the ball. Um, and unfortunately, when it comes to the Chargers, they completely forgot how to tackle Damian Williams, it seemed, in the second half who had you know two impressive touchdown runs, one 84-yarder, uh, the other from closer in, but probably a more impressive run. It looked like he was going to go down and hit the turf, but actually managed to get his hands on the ground and keep his legs churning, um, and he, he scored what proved to be the, the touchdown that iced the game away. Big kick return in this one as well for Nicole Hardman, just as the Chargers are actually taking a lead and probably knocked the stuffing out of them, um, and they never really recovered from that. Uh, best part about this game for me, um, and we talked about this guy on the podcast earlier in the year in terms of his commentary, was Kevin Harlan, yeah. who did an absolutely phenomenal job. But you know, he was keeping his eye on the game that you've just mentioned there, Tim, um, whilst also commentating on the Chiefs game. And I'd recommend anybody, you know, we'll stick it up on full ten yards via a retweet or something. Go and just give this a watch because the, the the passion that Kevin Harlan puts across for the game and you know his professionalism with the way that he delivers. Both of the calls um, is just absolutely phenomenal. I can probably um, find so it. Really, yeah, I can probably. I've probably got it here somewhere. Actually, go and keep keep talking. There we go. I've got it. Do you want me to play it? Keep talking. Keep talking. Go. Go Meanwhile, Miami has first and goal, down by four, and they're at the New England four-yard line, first and goal. Twenty-nine seconds left. Here, Butker kicks the extra point. And Fitzpatrick throws in the end zone. Touchdown, Miami! The Dolphins have just scored. Gasicki, the tight end, got a laser in the back of the end zone on a goal-to-go touchdown pass by Miami quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to take a lead with 24 seconds to go. 
The extra point coming up for Miami, leading New England 26 to 24. There you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely phenomenal call, and it just goes to show similar to what Lawrence was saying about this being a game of inches. Um, you know, if that pass obviously gets knocked away in New England, then obviously the hysteria that uh, erupts in Arrowhead doesn't happen. So, um, you know, just goes to show how tight it is down the stretch and down the season. That's why every week is important. There's never an off week in a 16 week season. Um, and the Chiefs, for me, just hotting up at the right time. And I will probably come on to our playoff predictions. But a uh, little spoiler, the Ooh. Chiefs will be my pick in the AFC. Ooh, might might join you on that, Bam, Morgan, Sean. But uh, let's move over uh, to the NFC. Sean, um, oh, sorry, Lawrence, uh, Green Bay versus Detroit. Green Bay just about struggling to go over the line in this one. Yeah, this is a bit like Chunk's face in the Goonies. Do you remember <laughs> the guy... The guy- he was played by the former Oakland Raiders dearly departed defender Lyle Alzado. The Packers are continuing to win hearts and minds with really ugly victories. In fact, Green Bay have scored 87 points in their last four games and they've failed to get over 23 points in any of those, including a buzzer beating Mason Crosby's 33-yard field goal yesterday against the Lions team that has now lost nine in a row and 12 of their last 13. So Crosby's winner gives the Packers a first round bye in the NFC, plus at least one home playoff game in the chilly winds of Wisconsin in a fortnight. I'm sure there was a comment at the end of the game that Aaron Rodgers is looking forward to the cold. I don't think anybody else is, but he, he's, he's absolutely relishing kind of, he's, I'm sure he's hoping for snow, Hail, you name it. He's looking forward to that, and I think um, take steering that team to um, to thirteen and three. And I think very quietly. I mean, in a normal season, you know, t- taking your team to thirteen and three and a and a first round bye gets a lot of recognition. They still seem to me a little bit under the radar. They're not they're not as hyped as the 49ers. They're definitely not kind of the media darlings as as kind of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are. They're just kind of, they're just there. And I think they are very dangerous at the moment. Mm. Um, Aaron Rodgers himself just about made it over 4,000 yards passing for the season, but he needed almost all of his 55 attempts to accrue the necessary yardage to reach that 4K. Pack back Aaron Jones also needed an energy sapping 25 carry effort against the Lions to reach 1,000 on the ground himself. And poor old Devontae Adams, who unfortunately did miss four games earlier on the season, finished the season with 997 yards. And I know statistics don't matter to anybody, but when you're that close to hitting 1,000 yards, it's got to be frustrating for any any kind of professional athlete to be so near to that that kind of goal and and not quite get it. I'm sure he'd be trawling back looking to see if we can get that extra three yards on a recount somewhere. <laughs> um, Packers, as I say, they really just don't, they don't feel like a 13 and three team, but they've, that's what they've managed to achieve. And I think really the, the credit has got to go to their free agent signings. And that is the, the Smith brothers who aren't actually related, Preston and Zadarius Smith, who combined for an amazing, 25 and a half sacks for a combined 200 lost opponents yards so that's that's a pretty impressive statistic for for two guys that i don't think 
really anyone was counting on to be absolute superstars but they have been for the Lions it's another lost year um, and they're going to get the third pick in the draft next year big injuries to Matthew Stafford carry on Johnson derailed their season um, before it even got halfway there but the good news for the Lions fans is that I don't think they're going to see David Blau in the Motor City in 2020 no no, absolutely not. Uh, interesting as well that they are would seem to be retaining uh, Matt Patricia and Co as well. Yeah, but to be certainly yeah, NFC North uh, will be interesting once again next season. Uh, let's move over to the NFC South. Then last one for first down at New Orleans versus Carolina. Obviously the grins there for Green Bay and San Francisco uh, made made sure that the New Orleans will be uh, having a game on Wild Card Weekend. But not too really much to say. Uh, about this game, New Orleans absolutely demolishing the the, uh, the sorry Carolina Panthers, thirty five to three up at the half. Uh, so that was job done. Second half, pretty much a non-event after that. Just the four receptions for recent record breaker Michael Thomas, but he also does take the receiving yards title for twenty nineteen. Uh, talking of accolades, Christian McCaffrey, CMC, he's pretty much a walking accolade as well. Did become the third player in NFL history with 1,000, 1,000 uh, rushing and receiving. And um, yeah, obviously the big uh, question for the Panthers going into the offseason is their decision at quarterback. Carl Allen was back in for this one. 25 of 41 for 295 yards and one interception. Uh, obviously come back in Will Greer, not, not, not been pulling up too many trees uh, with his... Uh, time on the field and who knows who knows god knows what's going on with cam newton but like i say yeah keep on rolling for the saints obviously the saints will host um who are they host they host minnesota obviously next weekend as well so uh, obviously their their aim is to to get to where they probably believe they should be from the last couple of years of heartbreak against minnesota and the la rams and try and get to that super bowl as well that's pretty much wrapping up all the games that pretty much mattered in terms of playoffs and the seeding so now it's time to quickly whiz through the rest of the games in second down second down okay there were some other teams that played uh, on yesterday that had seedings confirmed. One of those was the Buffalo Bills, and they played the New York Jets, Sean. Yeah, and a, another game that, um, you know, ultimately Buffalo wisely, you know, rested most of their key pieces. But a little bit surprising that Josh Allen saw the field at all in this one, but he only eventually played a series and gave way, obviously, to Matt Barkley. Um, so no real surprise in this one that the Bills struggled to get anything going offensively. Uh, they only put up a grand total of six points on the day. Um, and the New York Jets uh, end up getting a bit of a surprise victory going in. But like I say, I suppose all things considered, probably makes a lot of sense um, considering the lineups that they were facing. Um, Jameson Crowder finished off his nice season. He's been Sam Darnold's best friend all year long. And he was the man that found the end zone for the Jets in this one. Um, again, leading the team in targets and receptions. He's had himself quite a nice season. Le'Veon Bell, is it his last game for the Jets? You know, he's already uh, set the world alight, has he? Let's be honest. 16 attempts on this one on the ground for just 41 yards in what's been a, a disappointing season. He gambled on himself and that obviously hasn't really come to fruition. Um, and for the Bills, a bit of a run out for Frank Gore. Got a few carries. Um, he's not been seen sort of carrying the rock much in recent weeks as Devon Singletree has obviously took over in the backfield. But you get a feeling if the Bills are going to go anything like deep into the postseason, that Frank Gore may well have a role to play 
Um, so good for him to get some action into his legs after a few weeks sitting on the bench. Not much more to report in this one, mate. Like I say, a bit of a, a damp squib of a game and uh, obviously produced a pretty poor scoreline. 13-6, the Jets take it in the end. Mm, absolutely, and probably similar. E- echo the same comments, Lawrence, for the Vikings and the Bears. Just a quick note on the Jets before I talk about the Vikings and the Bears. Just notice the Jets actually finished the second half of their season 6-2. and two which is pretty respectable considering they started the season one and seven. So that's, that's, a, that's a pretty decent finish. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've committed to Adam Gase, so you know, maybe eventually he's, he's figuring it out, although I've got my doubts, I've got to be honest. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the toughest second half of a schedule in NFL history, but still finishing six and two, Got, I've got to give them a little bit of love there. So, Vikings-Bears, this, this, it kind of annoyed me because at the start of the season, I, I personally thought the Bears were going to improve upon their, their wild card loss in 2018 by reaching the divisional playoffs. In fact, one of my kind of bold predictions at the start of the season that was that they'd actually get knocked out of the playoffs by yet another field goal disaster, but this time kind of one round further. <laughs> but instead... They regressed to an 8-8 eight and eight record and no playoffs under their third-year quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, who managed a paltry 17 passing touchdowns in 15 games. So, with the Vikings already safe in the playoffs before Week 17, they rested Kirk, you like that, Cousins, in favour of a pretty <laughs> poor backup in Sean Mannion, who did not look good against a, a really underachieving Bears defence I mean this was a season that had the media microscope firmly fixed on the Bears kicking situation so I think it was a real relief for Eddie Pinheiro to get the game winner in this in this week 17 contest a 22 yarder with 10 seconds left in fact his fourth field goal of the day and for Pinheiro because the, the, the there was a lot of hate for Bears kickers if we go back 12 months um, Pinheiro finished the season 23 of 28 82% so not too bad and he was 100% over 50 yards 2 out of 2 rookie running back David Montgomery for the Bears ended his season with 1,074 total yards and 7 touchdowns which is something he can build on considering that offensive line is is you know hasn't been that good for the Vikings it was a big day for backup running back Mike Boone he went over 100 yards on the ground in the first half alone finished with 148 and a touchdown which is always good it's always good to have a stable of running backs so to have your possibly your third string back performing well as you go into the playoffs good thing me personally I think it's a risk resting resting your starters before a playoff game especially if you're a wild card team I think the 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 Vikings were hoping for better but they limp into the playoffs with the NFC Central runners-up with a 10-6 and record and two losses going into the playoffs. And they're certainly not going to relish a trip to New Orleans on Sunday, and they're going to be significant underdogs. Time to dig deep for some <laughs> skull heroics if the Vikings want to progress. I'm, I'm devastated, uh, Lawrence, you didn't, you didn't make a reference to boom, boom, shake, shake the boon or something like that. I should have had a drop ready as well. That's <sighs> I should have had a job. I should have known better. But there we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, 
I'll do better in 2020. <laughs> that's your uh, that's your New Year's resolution sorted. Um, talking of New Year's resolutions, I wonder what Jameis Winston's is. But let's get to that shortly. And I'm sure there'll be some stats life um, for him as well. But 60 minutes are clearly not enough for these two teams. But clearly Jameis wanted to hit the showers, so um, decided to throw pick six. And the first play in overtime, it's so poetic, it's actually unbelievable. His first play as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer on his rookie contract was a 26-yard pick six the last play on that said rookie contract a 27 yard pick six uh, becomes the first player in NFL history to get 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions not quite the uh, 30 for 30 that the NFL were hoping to um, get into the communities around the US of A but the 8th ever person to throw for 5,000 yards in a season uh, and I suppose just all those stats um, sum him up pretty perfectly indeed to be quite honest uh, he takes the passing yards title uh, for this year obviously big question marks around whether or not Bruce Arians and will bring him back probably likelihood uh, is that they will but he's looking for <laughs> funny enough he's looking for at least 30 million as well so I suppose that's for one a million for every touchdown and maybe well, half a million for a touchdown half a million for an inception who knows um Bruce Arians certainly had some interesting comments about him today saying I think I think he said something along the lines of if they can win with him they can win with anyone so that's uh, kind of hashtag awkward but there we go um that pick six actually did also break a, another record uh that that pick six uh, was in six seconds of overtime which led it to be the fastest ever decided uh, overtime in NFL history but ladies and gentlemen the records do not stop there Ty Samarillo the right tackle of the Falcons caught a 35 yard touchdown uh, to start the game which is the longest by an offensive lineman since Brian Balding Balding Dinger easier for me to say Um, but he's he's actually quite worth a follow on Twitter at Baldy's he does Baldy's breakdowns which is uh, very insightful stuff as well so go and give him a follow Wait there, wait there, wait there. Go on. Was, was that the way to Sambarillo? Way There you go, very good. Um, yes, longest touchdown since 1988 there for Ty Samarillo, uh, 35 yarder. Loads of other titles in this game. Matt Ryan, most completions on the season, 408. And a bit of defensive love for Shaq Barrett, who was your sack leader for 2019 with 19.5. Quite a lot happened there in that game, and it's uh, interesting what happens in games that don't really matter. But uh, yeah, um, Bucks and Falcons um, closing out the season in style, I suppose. Um, talking of ending the season in style, uh, Sean, take away the the Browns well thank god it's over 36 Sundays ahead of me that I can't get utterly frustrated screaming at my television um, just awful again wasn't it let's be honest um, started off positively as most Browns games tend to nice 46 yard pass from Baker Mayfield to Damien Ratley in the first 90 seconds of the game and you think oh this is quite entertaining uh, and then to be fair the Bengals pretty much dominate the rest of the game, uh, pretty much as they did, to be fair to them, two or three weeks ago in the corresponding fixture played in Cleveland. We got away with it that week. Not this week. Joe Mixon again looked good. Um, he had 26 carries and 162 yards with two touchdowns. And got to say, really pleased for Andy Dalton. He gets a lot of stick, but you know there's a lot of quarterbacks worse than him. And if he's, this is his last game as a Bengal, he goes out in style with a win at home. He found the end zone with the rushing score as well in this one, as well as throwing one touchdown pass on the day. Um, for the Browns, like I said, just bad it's over, to be completely honest. It's been an absolute disaster from start to finish throughout the season. Beckham and Landry again combined for a grand total of five receptions on the day. Um, Nick Chubb seemed to have the rushing total sewn up, and then Derek Henry explodes, so we can't even have anything nice in Cleveland <laughs> by the looks of it. Um, so, yeah, less said the better, mate. Um 
I think the Bengals have been better than a 2-14 and 14 record, to be honest. I think, like I said, they've been competitive probably post the London trip in particular. They've played some good football over the last month to six weeks. Joe Mixon, in particular, has been, you know, an excellent running back um, in that regard. Um, you know, so potentially for them, obviously, a shot in the arm with a number one pick, likely to be Joe Burrow, um, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, but uh, certainly for Cleveland, back to the drawing board in the off-season yet again. Mm, yeah, absolutely indeed. And the Cardinals were obviously in the doldrums last season, which is why they picked Kyler Murray with the number one overall selections. And they went to travel to LA, Lawrence. Yeah, two not in playoff teams. One on the way down, one on the way up. The Rams may have won this Week 17 contest against the Cardinals, but it was too little, too late as their victory. In fact, the last in the LA Coliseum before they knew moved to their new Spangly Stadium in Inglewood. May have been impressive, but it counts for absolutely nothing as the reigning NFC champions become another conference champion to fade away a year after losing a Super Bowl. They finished the season 9-7 and seven to gain a small bit of respect with a winning record. The Rams did have a, a big game to, to end the season. They caused five turnovers and had the ball for almost 37 minutes. It was 17 apiece going into the fourth quarter before Jared Goff mounted two 70-plus yard drives, ending in touchdown passes to Tyler Higby, the man who I don't talk to because he knocked me out of the full 10 yards. <laughs> um, fantasy league. Not, um, not bitter. Semi-finals because he was just evil and had about 100 catches. So, yeah, don't talk about Tyler Higby. I'll get, get wound up. And then Robert <laughs> Woods had a, had a touchdown as well giving them a 14-point lead. Late Kenyan Drake touchdown run made the score a bit more respectable, but it finished 31-24 to the Rams. Number one overall pick for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, finished his rookie season with five wins, one draw and 11 losses, 3,722 yards passing and 544 yards rushing, along with 24 total touchdowns and all but six of the Cardinals' pass attempts for the season. Kenyan Drake managed eight touchdowns in his eight games with the Cardinals, including three 100-plus yard rushing outputs. And I think that's bad continuing. He didn't even get over 45 yards rushing in any of the six games he played for for the Dolphins to start the season. And in fact, I think it was it's Drake managed to lose 11 consecutive games before the Dolphins had that little two-game win streak towards the end sorry uh, yeah before the Cardinals had a two-game win streak before the end of the season including that big upset win against the Seahawks so optimism is is rife in in Arizona and because of those two wins in their last three games they actually dropped down to to picking eighth in the draft Mm. so if they if they hadn't beaten the Seahawks they probably they would have had a lot better pick early on but as it is they pick eight but they, they, they even though they lost that last game I think that there is there is room for optimism with Arizona um, potentially Larry Fitzgerald I don't know if he's going to carry on he seems to be he's, you know he's the, the ever ready bunny isn't he he kind of goes on forever so if it is his last game I want to say you know thank you Larry Fitzgerald for an absolutely incredible career 
If not, we'll see you next season. Mm, yeah, clearly sharing those uh, those batteries there with uh, Frank Gore. But uh, yeah, there we go. Okay, that's week 17 in the book. So let's uh, get down to business and let's do a bit of Stats Life. Stats. Stats. Love, I do, I do love that uh, drop shot. That's absolutely brilliant. Love it. Um, okay, let's um, let's start off then. I'll, I'll I'll kick us off. I've got a couple of 49ers ones here for you. So of course we all know it's the end of the year. It's the end of the decade. So here, how about this one for you? The 49ers kicked off the la- the last game of the 2010s, obviously against Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. But did you know they also kicked off the first game of the 2010s on the January the third, 2010, week 17 of the 2009 season? Uh, occurred at exactly 1 p.m., which is earlier than any other game at the, that week. So there you go. 49ers had the first and last kickoff of the 2010s. And then staying with the 49ers, Emmanuel Sanders is the only player in NFL history to catch a pass in all 17 regular season games. So there you go. A couple of 49er bit. A couple of 49ers. Sue says I don't love the 49ers on this podcast. Eh? I've never not said what well, I've said they do good all season. Sure, we move over to you. What you got? So I've got a little bit of an interesting nugget here. So we've had the Packers and the Lions take two, obviously divisional opponents in the NFC North this year. And the Packers have won both of those games, obviously, um, as part of their 13-3 record. But I'm afraid to tell you, this one, Lions fans, the Packers have led both of those games for a grand total of zero minutes and zero seconds Mm. this season. Mm. The only time they've taken the lead in both games is on walk-off field goals, which is pretty incredible for a team to actually win two games without ever being in the lead. Apart from ultimately, I suppose, when it obviously mattered the most. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I see Packers uh, not not flattering me. Uh, that that is for sure. Lawrence, what's what's taking your eye from a stats perspective in week seventeen? Well, Tim, you stole mine. Oh, I do apologise. You know me. You know me. I know you. I'm, I'm not. I'm not into shallow stuff. I go deep, so I'm about to go deep. So get those thinking caps on. So yeah, Brady's touchdown to linebacker Elandon Roberts was his. Indeed, his 77th player he's thrown a touchdown to in his illustrious career. His first touchdown recipient, and I'll give you this one for free, was Terry Glenn in an October 2001 29-26 overtime victory against the San Diego Chargers. But I will give you not only one, two sandwiches, if you can tell me who caught his only completion as a rookie in 2000 no I won't know that Sean are you going to give it a go say that again mate caught Tom Brady's only completion Tom, Tom Brady as a rookie only completed one pass in the regular season so he didn't he didn't start breaking out until he was a second year player so he, he made one completion as a rookie in 2000 who was it to Oh God! Um, oh. I have no idea, mate. It'd be a complete and utter guess. So go on, put us out, put us out of our misery. It was blocking tight end Rod Rutledge, and it was a six-yard catch against the Lions on Thanksgiving. And Rutledge, who people will not remember whatsoever, 
did actually go on to get a Super Bowl ring as part of that, the, the very start of that Patriots dynasty in 2001. So there we go. So there you go. See, even if I nick yours, Lawrence, you've uh, you've got loads locked and loaded and you've got more bullets in your chamber than John Wayne, mate. That's it, that's it. <laughs> right, before we move on to fourth down, anyone, I don't think we've got, Jay, we got, do we doing Jason Garrett corner this week? I've got a, I've got a fun one. It's neither Stats Life nor Jason Garrett Corner, but it's just it's got to be mentioned. Go on, in. So, whilst the Bengals won their second game of the season against the Browns yesterday, following the victory formation, Joe Mixon, the Bengals running back, who's had a terrific, as you say, Sean, a terrific end to the season, takes off his helmet, and in a strange but spontaneous gesture, oh, I saw that uses his lid as a bit of a mock bowling ball. The only problem was that <laughs> one of the field umpires was there in the front of the lane. So Mixon got the win and the strike at the same time. Mm. And I think maybe he was out with Le'Veon Bell a few weeks ago getting some tips. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't if you haven't seen it, just just look it up. It, mm. is, it is ridiculous. Look it up on social media. I've seen, Bowls yeah, yeah. I've seen. an umpire over. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw, I saw it. At least he didn't get uh, tips from uh, Miles Garrett. Yeah, exactly. At least he kept it low. Yeah. It you know, wasn't wasn't head high. You know, it was it was in you know, it probably landed in quite a painful place. To be fair, that ref- but, you know, I I don't think I've ever you know you say I've never seen that before in my life. I certainly haven't seen that either. Mm. That was a first. That referee's now in the gutter. Anyway, uh. <laughs> anyway. With that being said, time for fourth down, and who knows, it might be the last Jason Garrett corner as with him as the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Let's go fourth down. Fourth down. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet, you really are a muppet, it's fourth and one, don't do it, just clap your hands. Okay, feels right that on Black Monday that we give Jason Garrett Corner fourth down. Um, so not, not to maybe talk about too many decisions, but uh, maybe to talk about the you know, these coaches that have already departed and uh, know at this point Jason Garrett is still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so yeah. We've got a couple more minutes, so hopefully uh, that that will change since we till we uh, say say the great words of Kevin Cadle. But um, let's let's look at some obviously some of the coaches that have gone. Lawrence, we'll start with you. Obviously, Washington clearing house, um, and obviously the whispers amongst the bushes or the shouts, uh, the shouts amongst the bushes. I suppose it is is uh, Ron Rivera coming over to to Washington. Um, I've, I've got just some notes here. Obviously, Bruce Allen gone. Ron, Ron Rivera seemingly coming in. Um, looking likely that Ron Rivera have decent control over in Washington as a Washington Redskins fan do you feel like it's it's a new era you know, a bit, you know you've got optimism the promising new new starts and you know clean slate and all the rest of it you know you've got the number two um not the number two draft pick sorry you haven't got a second round draft pick but you've got a decent first round um yeah as a Washington Redskins, Redskins fan are you, I suppose you're related and happy I'm, I'm happier that that Bruce Allen has, has gone as general manager because I think he dined out on his dad's name for a decade so anyone that doesn't know Bruce Allen is the son of George Allen who was a former Redskins head coach and he was famous for trading away all of his picks throughout the entire 1970s in favour of accruing veterans gaining the team's nickname the Over the Hill Gang 
and they actually did manage to get with a, with a load of very old players to get to Super Bowl seven, which they lost. So getting Riverboat Ron as the new head coach of the Redskins, I'm not quite sure. I think what, what Daniel Snyder wants to do as the owner is, is make a quick decision. I don't think he wants to wait. I don't think he wants the speculation. I don't think he wants the, the Washington media to kind of go on and on. I think he wants to make a, a quick decision so so that the team can start preparing for, for 2020. So Rivera has got a good track record. He's, he's won a Super Bowl as a player in Super Bowl 20 as a, as a backup linebacker for the Bears. He's been to two Super Bowls as a coach, one as a coordinator for the Bears and one as head coach for the Panthers. He's got a 76-63-1 record as a head coach. But the bit that kind of frightens me is the fact he's, he's only won three playoff games as a head coach. And in fact, he's three and four in the playoffs. He, he's, his mother's Mexican and his father's Puerto Rican. So he's, he's one, of, one of a very small select group of, of, of head coaches with Hispanic roots. But he was actually born in the States himself. And he was the 2013 and 2015 coach of the year. So he brings along with him a bit of a credible CV, but I'm not quite sure. I think in this in this era of, you know, we're going to go young. Don't forget, we we got rid of Sean McVay in his, you know, before he became the Rams head coach. You know, we got rid of um, Kevin O'Connell. You know, we, we we've we've made a lot of mistakes, hmm. and I think this is one where it could work out. They, there are some defensive pieces on the on the chessboard, um, you know Jonathan Allen, Jerome Payne. That, that there is some talent there, but we we need to draft. And I'm going to say it now: we need to draft a an, an absolutely outstanding cornerback um, early on. Um, that that would be what what I'd like to see them do in in the with the second pick mm. in 2020. But I, I'm not a college expert, so I need need some full 10 college advice as to who that they should pick <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of I'm not unhappy but I'm not delighted with this potential move I'm kind of I'm not quite sure at the moment mm, yeah I mean certainly with, the, with pick number two you, you're thinking they're going Chase Young but we uh, it remains to be seen obviously they've got the uh, Trent Williams saga to to kind of sort out as well so it'd be interesting to see if uh, he can be persuaded around um, I, I mean as a Dallas fan I'd, I'd love Ron Rivera to be quite honest. I, I want a coach who, eh, I'm not sure Kellen Moore is going to stay, but I want let, to let a, a defensive-minded coach who installs, you know, accountability and says, you know, look, hey, this is the level we need to be. We're not, we're a Super Bowl roster here, and you're, you're underachieving. But I want him to sort out the defensive side of things and let let an offensive guy do do offensive stuff. So um, I think Ron Rivera would be, would be a good fit. I don't I don't know if he's the right fit personality wise in terms of what Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones kind of want but uh, we, we shall see but he you know Ron Rivera is certainly a, a guy that's going to put up a, a mirror in front of that locker room and say look you know this is this is who you are this is who you should be you know sort, sort yourselves out you know because you've you've had people on that Dallas Cowboys roster you know you've got currently you've got Sean Lee and Jason Witten uh, and that O-line certainly do to deserve to at least be in a Super Bowl I'm not saying they should have won one but you know you've wasted the talents of Tony Romo Des Bryant and all the rest of them as well so I just want someone to, to come in and install uh, you know a level of accountability and say look yeah, this this isn't this isn't good enough because uh, for for too long now, it's, yeah, 
anything anything kind of really goes on on that on that Dallas team in the locker room. So um, yeah, it'd be, I'd, I'd, if if he doesn't go to Washington, I, w- I wouldn't mind him at least getting an interview uh, over in Dallas. But uh, I'm 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 sure that uh, someone like uh, Matt Rule or Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer or something will uh, will be over in Dallas uh, come 2020. But we shall see. But uh, Sean, obviously, it helps that uh, all of our all of the teams on our podcast that we support are either don't have a coach or are unlikely to have one in the next week or so. So um, with with Cleveland, what, what are you looking for? Um, I think to be honest, for me, I, I would want somebody with experience. After obviously what we've been through this year, I, I, I still think that there's plenty of talent in the locker room. There's probably not enough depth, and I suppose that's a risk when you invest so heavily in some of the said talent. Um, that outside of that sort of core group, you know, you're potentially lacking a little bit. So, John Dorsey's not without blame for the season that has just been. Um, but I certainly think that you know there should have been a lot more gain from the talent on display. And I think somebody that's got a track record in the NFL, um, you know, not somebody doing the role for the first time, um, and he's going to have to learn on the job. I think we need someone that's got that experience and knowledge amongst them. The worrying thing for me, as is always the case with the Browns, is it seems as though we are linked to every man and his dog, essentially, and there doesn't seem to be a clear <laughs> plan in terms of the search. I know people will turn around and say, well, we're just being extremely thorough and comprehensive with our studies, but the fact that we're interviewing guys that you know have got college backgrounds, but the fact that we're interviewing coordinators, the fact that we're interviewing first-time head coaches as well as you know experienced coaches is a little bit worrying. Um, there's a lot of rumour that you know it might not be the end of all the changes either. Josh McDaniels continues to be the name that gets linked every time this vacancy comes up, which is obviously far too regular. Um, but allegedly he will be taking an interview this time with the Browns, where he's refused previously. Mm. And if he comes, then there's big rumours that that will be on his terms, and that potentially involves personnel staff as well. And that could spell the end then for John Dorsey. Um, personally for me if you're asking me to stick my neck out now and, and name a coach I, I would go with Mike McCarthy as my preferred choice based on what I said there in terms of having the experience I think he's taken a year out and probably analysed a lot of what he did wrong in Green Bay um, obviously he's had a premier quarterback and certainly not maximised the sort of Super Bowl window that was at his disposal previously um, but he seems to have, have learned from it. He seems to be buying into analytics, which obviously is huge in the Browns organisation, with Paul D. Possessed still sitting there in the background. So I think it naturally makes a lot of sense, and there's obvious links there to Dorsey and the entire Browns front office from the Green Bay connections. Um, so that one, for, for me, makes a lot of sense. But, um, you know, unfortunately, like I said, there just doesn't seem to be any clear plan at the moment, at least with the way it's being tackled, it's obviously early days in the coaching search. But you know, we've already got you know rumoured to be Kevin Stefanski, offensive coordinator for the Vikings; Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for the 49ers; Mike McCarthy, I've mentioned; Josh McDaniels, I've mentioned. I even saw something earlier about Jeff Fisher, and I hope someone's really just taking the Michael with that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, we will wait and see. Yeah. But uh, experience is the key for me, Matt Simmons. What you just said there in terms of Dallas, to be honest, uh, an experienced and a bit of a disciplinarian, because uh, you know that's certainly been lacking in our team all year long. Mm, absolutely, and obviously the other one there, the New York Giants have. Uh, 
have parted ways with Pat Shermer. So any Giants fans out there, or any Cleveland Browns, or obviously in Carolina is the other one as well. So interesting times over there in Carolina. But yeah, any fans of those teams that we've spoken about, give us get in touch with us at Full Ten Yards. Let us know who you want and why. Uh, and no, Philadelphia fans don't contact and say that you want Jason Garrett to be the uh, the, the the Dallas Cowboys one because um, that is not going to happen. He might go over to the Giants, though, so he might stay in the division. So there is that for you if you're a Philadelphia fan. But uh, but we shall see. Anyway, we shall move on from fourth down. Obviously, more to follow as and when we hear it. But the referees are coming in. It's time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, two minutes to get out of here. Just a, a quick one to tell you about everything off in full 10 yards. Lawrence has uh, finished the takeaways, so that will be up as you listen to this on your Tuesday. College boys obviously back as well as they gear up getting ready for draft season. Some of the draft board has obviously already been confirmed, so they'll be starting to devise their boards uh, and all the rest of it as well. Obviously, the college season coming to a climax as well. Obviously, the semifinals at last weekend. So if you're enjoying that, so obviously what, what, one more big game to look forward to but on the NFL side of things obviously the Super Bowl is now set so I thought we'd do a quick 30 seconds on going through our, our playoff predictors and we're going to be doing a competition uh, over at 14 yards the pin tweet uh, will be all you have to do is retweet it and reply to the tweet and say who you think will be in the Super Bowl so both teams AFC and NFC and who you think will win don't have to do a score just the team uh, and obviously any tyres will do a draw but yeah Pick your two teams, pick your winner, uh, and that's as, as easy as it comes. And we'll say we'll we'll put details up of the prize up on Twitter as well. So go and do that. Go and tell your friends. Obviously, uh, more people, more more than merrier, as they say. But let's quickly go through ours, Lawrence and Sean. I'll start off with mine. So quickly go through the seeds: Baltimore one, Kansas City two, New England three, Houston four, Buffalo five, and Tennessee are six in the AFC. I've got Baltimore and uh, take it. I've got Tennessee winning in Foxborough uh, this weekend, and I've got Buffalo beating. Houston as well so I've got the two away teams uh, getting victories in the AFC so Baltimore at Tennessee I've got Baltimore and, uh, and beating Tennessee Kansas City beating Buffalo meaning uh, Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC Championship the one and two seed and I've got Kansas City beating the Baltimore Ravens and then on the other side you've got San Francisco are your number one seed Green Bay number two New Orleans are number three Philadelphia four Seattle five and Minnesota six I've got Green Bay um, hosting uh, New Orleans obviously New Orleans beating the uh, Minnesota Vikings I've got San Francisco and Seattle meeting yet again uh, for the third time at this season as Seattle go to Philadelphia and win I've got New Orleans and San Francisco meeting in the NFC Championship and I've got New Orleans going into the Super Bowl and I've got Kansas City winning it all so that are they are my predictions we'll stick these out as well uh, give you like uh, give you guys a, a platform or an image to copy and, and, and paste over yours as well but Sean what have you gone for well you put me on the spot here mate naming all of them um, <laughs> I, I will I will take the Patriots and the Texans to win the wild cards this weekend in the AFC I'll take the Saints and the Seahawks in the NFC and then in the divisional rounds we will go with the Chiefs to then beat the Patriots Patriots mm. the Ravens to beat the Texans I think the Chiefs will then beat the Ravens in the AFC Conference. And on the other side, I've got then the Saints to beat the Packers, and I've got the 49ers to beat the Seahawks. Um, and then I'll have the 49ers to beat the Saints. So for me, Chiefs, 49ers, Super Bowl, and I'll go with the Chiefs to win it all. Mm. Lawrence, what you got? Round us out. I'm very similar to Sean's. 
Um, actually, where have I got? I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'll keep it quick. I've got a rematch of of a previous Super Bowl. I've got the Ravens against the 49ers, and I've got the Ravens winning. Mm, history repeating itself. Obviously, that yeah, that was the Super Bowl with the blackout, wasn't it, in the Superdome, uh, the Harbour, yeah. the Harbour Bowl. But there we go. Okay, let us know your thoughts. To say that'll be a competition over on at full ten yards on the Twitter. So go and check that out and say there'll be some prizes. Um, so yeah, just re- retweet that, comment your Super Bowl, who your who the final two are, and who is going to win. And if you are correct, you will have a chance of winning some prizes. But that, fellas, is going to do it for today's podcast. Really enjoyed that one. Actually, yeah, say it's a shame that the uh, Week Seventeen season, uh, well, the week. 17 games have all finished and the regular season is all over so um, yeah for, for Dallas and for, for our teams we've now got to wait what nine months for another game sad times isn't it yeah we'll all get full of hope again mate they'll come July August <laughs> we'll all be Super Bowl bound again so uh, bringing them absolutely Lawrence just, just put, it puts the pressure on you and doesn't it we can't forget about you and then his Texans no. so no. Um, I can't see them getting, getting very far though to mm. be to be fair even though Deshaun Watson can beat anybody on on any given game. He, he, he can perform miracles, so let's not forget about Deshaun Watson here. Mm. But they're not going to no. the Super Bowl. Well, there's a, there's a spoiler ahead of uh, the, the podcast later in the week as we re, as we preview all the uh, wildcard weekend games. So we'll be back in a couple of days. So in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lawrence. Take care, everybody. It's goodbye from Sean. Take care, everyone, and happy New Year. And it's goodbye from me. Yes, happy New Year indeed to all our listeners. Hope you have a have a hope you have a good one. Hope you have a safe one. And to say we'll be back in a couple of days. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye for now. A bye. Thanks for listening to the Full Ten Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full Ten Yards, or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com.